0: Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday and the time is 1106. The Pet Experts are in the building, and it's time for the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on more compelling talk radio. 1320 WILS. Now, your hosts, Lee Cohen and Rick
1: Prutz. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the Pet pet expert himself, Mr. Rick pruse Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Lee.
0: Nice to see you.
1: Oh, it's nice to see you as well. I'm sorry to say it's in such unfortunate weather because I don't know about you,
0: but I was feeling a little bit spoiled by how well this winter was going. And... I got to watch a video of my granddaughter on a little sled. Oh, so, It's all worth it.
1: Yeah, I agree. If I had something like that, I would too.
0: And we did – yeah, just a couple days ago, we got to walk out uh, of our front yard and see trees that were, you know, just laced with whiteness. And uh, to me, that is fantastic. You know, in the moment – you know, there's not a fresher moment in your life than what you can see right there. Well you, know?
1: you are you are correct with both of those points and I'll stand corrected. But when you got a fifty mile drive <laughs> into Lansing, well, it can be not so much fun.
0: So I think of it as I always tell others that uh when, when when conditions are like that, it's like a free trip to Cedar Point.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: <laughs> as long as you play it safe. Hopefully nobody gets hurt. I don't want to downplay that. Exactly. It can be a safety issue. So. Well, Rick. Uh, before Let's we, hop to it. Let's hop into this show. Well, we're going to. But
1: before we do, I just want to apologize to our listeners. Last week there was a bit of a snafu when it came to our computer. And as a result of it, the last segment of last week's show did not play properly and I very much apologize for that but here's the great news if you want to hear it it's lo- uploaded onto the WILS website, and you can listen to the podcast. And you can hear all four segments of last week's show and find out what you missed. But uh, unfortunately, stuff happens sometimes. Absolutely, And it makes it a little bit harder. But uh, we don't want our guest, because uh, we had Heidi from Ingham County Animal Control on, and we don't want her to think that the last segment just wasn't good. Enough. So. No, hey, <laughs> uh, for what it's
0: worth, it was a really good last section. It was. It was yeah, a great there you show. you go. Now go, a- to the, uh, now go to the website and uh, find the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. But for this week's show, we've
1: got some events going on at the uh, msu pavilion this weekend that if you're not already there you should be prepared to go there uh actually right now you can listen to the show on the way but there is a show for cavies which are guinea pigs and there is a show for rabbits and what could be cuter than seeing all the different breeds of these animals and figuring out what you think of them
0: yeah so for the listening audience that doesn't know, you know, I'm a big, big fan of guinea pigs. Yes, and, you are. Uh, they come in all kinds of, not sizes necessarily. I mean, they vary a little bit in size, but definitely, definitely shapes and hair lengths and hair textures and colors. Yeah, they, they. It's amazing. And um, I personally, I don't, I can't think of for let's say maybe a six or eight or even ten year old uh, anything that would be better than a guinea pig as a pet. But for those who are rabbit fans, and there are many of you out there, you know, this would be the place to go. If you've ever had an interest in either rabbits or guinea pigs, you know, there's not much opportunity. If you go into the store, we might have a variety or two of rabbits. And generally, we're kind of sorting towards, A, what's available, and B, you know, what makes a good house pet. But if you've ever wanted to be fascinated, just fascinated with just the cornucopia of opportunity for viewing nature's most interesting and diverse selection of animals that have been bred to have this characteristic and that characteristic rabbits that are really small rabbits that are really really huge rabbits that have long ears rabbits that, rabbits that have draped ears rabbits you know so it's the event i mean literally hundreds of rabbits are going to be there from types of the rabbits state, all over the state from all over the state and you will not have a better opportunity to kind of see and witness what breadth of beauty these animals have you right. know uh what potential there is with such a diversity of these animals?
1: Well, one thing that all of the rabbit breeds pretty much have in common is they're pretty smart animals. So it's interesting to see. But to talk all about the show, we've got Glenda Weiss coming on, who has been the coordinator of the show and been involved with it for many years and basically has spent a lifetime taking care of rabbits and raising them. And uh, she is a wealth of information. So she'll be on, and then we've got Katie Ramp. And Katie Katie does a great job, doesn't she, Rick?
0: She does. Uh, passion, interest, um, dedication – great attitude, just a great person.
1: And she loves these animals and has her own rabbit, too. So, should be a great show. This week on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, here on 1320, we're back back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And Rick, we have with us in the studio a returning guest. It's Glenda Weiss, who is the coordinator and a whole heck of a lot of other things, if I remember correctly, when it comes to putting on the rabbit and cavy show, taking place at the MSU Pavilion this weekend. Uh, Glenda, it's great
2: to have you back in. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, it's our pleasure. Tell our audience what is a rabbit and cavy show, for those who may not know the definition of what a cavy is, and uh, tell them what they're likely to see, hear, smell, admire, and everything else if they happen to go to the show.
2: So the rabbit and cavy show is a a state 4-H show. It is the largest show of its kind in the Midwest. Um, There will be hundreds of thousands, probably around a thousand um, rabbits where the youth have raised their rabbits and they will be exhibiting them based on conformation and fur. And then um, a cavy is a guinea pig. Um, And there will be those will be uh, shown as well based on conformation
1: Interesting. And when it comes to a show. I'm. I'm trying to imagine. I mean, you watch at a dog show and you see them sit on their little pedestal, and then they get put down on the ground and they take a nice little walk around there. I can't imagine that we're going to be seeing the rabbits walking around and doing that. So, what? How do the animals get shown? Actually, they,
0: they go down a runway. <laughs> a nice little <laughs> runway. You know those guinea pigs? They have this nice little waddle. they uh, cute. <laughs> I you know, can't help it. I would imagine it would be. flowers on stage just to uh, uh commemorate their beauty.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually there are some rabbits that run up and down the tables. Um <laughs> okay. there's there's right. a there's a few breeds that are called our running breeds, and they will run up and down the table as the judge examines both of their patterns as far as their markings, as well as how well they move, and um, their what we call tracking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there, are, most of the rabbits, though, are judged in a posed position where the judge puts their hands over them and checks the confirmation as well as for disqualifications. they kind of like show.
0: They got uh, them up on the, the small breeds they'll put up on a little table and they'll kind of um, check around
2: oh, sure. along
0: the way. Yeah, right? yep.
2: Except all of our rabbits, like for that particular class, are on the table at the same time. They all have their little holes or coops that they – They sit in until the judge pulls them out to look at them.
0: And then he goes one after another, pulls them out. Right,
2: yep, one after the other, and then they'll give comments to the youth um, as far as the good points and the bad points of the animal. Unlike the dog shows, they have a lot of feedback because that's how our kids will learn about them.
0: Now, how do the kids handle all that? Um, If if you really think about it, it's criticism, you know. They have to, how, how does that work?
2: Um, I, I always tell our judges that this needs to be a learning experience and that they need to, uh, stay positive, make sure that you find good things about the rabbits. So many times you'll see the judges that'll pull the youth around to the backside of the table so that they can further see what, what's going on. Um, especially if it happens to be like a disqualification, it's a definite learning experience for the youth.
0: Imagine a few puddles of tears from time to time. No? They usually handle it? (laughs) Normally
2: they handle it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's
0: hard because one of the things
1: that I don't think the public completely understands about 4-H is the degree of commitment that these kids make when it comes to – getting the animals and then caring for them. Sometimes it's a year that they're caring for them before they ever even get around to taking them to a show like this. So, I mean, it's it's a lot of effort that they put in, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it is. Um, this show is only once a year, so it's annually. They do have their county fairs that they can show at, and there's a few other counties that, that host um, 4-H shows during the year outside of their county fairs, but most of these youth, um, if they're just showing at 4-H, they have this show in the county fair Uh and that's it. So two shows a day or a year. Um, our youth are also, um, eight to 19. Our clover buds, which are five to seven, Mm -hmm. they have a different type of a class. It's a non-competitive class, um, they'll learn about their rabbit they'll learn some of some of the really good points and some of the things to improve. We don't say the bad part of the rabbit this is where you need to improve in selection for your next rabbit um, or this is something maybe a tip or a trick on how to improve that particular thing for example if it's got um, dirty fur you know how to clean that fur because the youth may not know that
0: how uh, throughout the year how do these kids uh, do they gather together as a group um, in, in any of this? Or is this all kind of done, how, if, if I'm a member of the 4-H as a child and I have this event coming up, what, what exposure to either peers or other adults are there throughout the year?
2: So we have thousands of volunteers that help us out um, in every county in the state. And those volunteers um, organize and host clubs, and within those clubs, the youth get together and learn about their projects. In this particular case, it's rabbits and cavies.
0: And so, so they'll be somewhat. Um, will they be likely to to know what to expect if they if they're going to the show from what they're told within their peer group within the the clubs that they have?
2: For many of them. Other ones have been bombarding me with emails and phone calls. <laughs>
0: They're
1: going to find out one way or another. Yes. <laughs> well, you want to know what you're in for before
0: you get there.
1: So right. That's... Especially
2: if some of them are driving hours to get to us.
0: Yeah. What is the distance that or generally travels? Is this throughout the whole state? Is it from other states? Is it just it's, simply Michigan?
2: It's throughout Michigan because they have to be a Michigan 4-H member. Okay. Although we do have some... Indiana and Ohio that'll cross over and become Michigan 4-H members and uh, participate in the Michigan programs instead of the Indiana and Ohio ones. Um, Rarely do we get somebody from the U.P., but I can't say never because I have seen U.P., uh, Upper Peninsula kids come down, but primarily it's the Lower Peninsula.
1: Okay. Wow. It sounds like uh, quite a bit of effort to put this show together. Now, how many – different kinds of rabbits are there for people who, I mean, they imagine Mr. Bunny Rabbit with his carrot sitting in his cage, but how many different kinds of rabbits are there and how many will you have at the show this year?
2: There's currently 51 breeds of rabbits. Uh, The 51st breed got recognized this last fall. It's called the Czech Frosties. Um, And we will have... I would say probably two-thirds of those breeds exhibited at the show.
1: Wow. And when it comes to the guinea pigs, how about them? How many breeds of guinea pigs are there, and how many will you have of those?
2: There's 13 different breeds of guinea pigs, and we normally have representations of all 13.
0: Interesting. I I definitely Want to try to make it out there this year? <laughs> I got to see this. Uh,
1: well, I was gonna say, yeah. I wonder if you wouldn't be a good judge uh, for <laughs> nope. something like that. No,
0: no actually, um, you know, what my all my experiences tend to be around, uh, you know, pet quality. You know, what does it take to be a good pet? What's the right environment? How do you keep it? You know, uh, give advices to the age group that somebody would be best for having. But as far as this situation, you know, this is a this is a different. Plain and the people that are judging for sure, I imagine, have quite a bit of experience associated with confirmation and in all the various aspects of a rabbit versus guinea pig. You know, they take. I, I'm sure it go, A lot goes into this, right? Um,
2: correct. Some of our judges are um, certified judges with the American Rabbit Breeders Association. Other judges have had years and years of experience. Um, we have judges that grew up in the youth program of the Michigan Rabbit Raiders Association and competed in the national judging contests and such things as that.
0: Is there, when you think about this event, uh, besides all the hard work that you have to put into it, <laughs> what makes you smile when you go? What, what what do you think about ahead of time if you're waiting to see, you're waiting to witness? What, what is it that you're wanting to witness?
2: I like to see the camaraderie between the youth um, many times if, if one youth is struggling. Maybe the rabbit is misbehaving and they're trying to put it up on the table and it's a smaller child, one of the larger, older children or more experienced youth will help out. Um, many times the 4-H groups will, like, all sit together in the showroom because we don't have, like, assigned seats anyplace. You just come and find a spot. Uh-huh. Um and many times they'll sit together and just watching the kids interact with each other no is bad. a lot of fun. Well,
0: that's
1: cool. That's cool. Now, how do the animals interact with one another? Because I imagine at, at dog shows, you're, you're going to get some that just they see other dogs and they bark. That's what they're programmed to do. How do rabbits and guinea pigs respond in this environment where there are so many others of their kind,
2: um, most of the time it doesn't. They don't have a whole lot of reactions. We've had some that, like once you put them up on the show table, I always call it the cute pose. It's not the proper pose, but they'll um, sit up on their hind legs, kind of like the Easter bunny, and look around. And to me, that's kind of cute, but not really what they need to be doing (laughs) right
1: but but they don't necessarily communicate with the other animals that are there or even think about uh doing something that they shouldn't because my understanding is rabbits are pretty good at procreating (laughs) <laughs>
2: well, so on the show table, when you do get multiple sexes up there, you do have to worry about that and just keep an eye on the old boys.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the table can get frisky.
1: <laughs> well, I would just imagine so, because that's that's the thing that people sometimes don't understand, is they want their animals to act in a proper behavior, but animals act like animals. They are bred to do certain things yeah. and how do they help? But uh, they those could definitely throw some curves. <laughs> no question. Right, right. No question. Right. So, how many people do you expect to have come out to uh, the event? Is this a big show? I mean, do you get hundreds, thousands of uh, people there to not just participate in it, but to watch it and just to take part in it?
2: So, it's it's hard to calculate how many come just to participate. Um, it is a free event, so we're not taking any entry fee that we can calculate that on, and nobody's sitting at the door checking to see if you're a visitor versus an exhibitor. Okay. Um, but there are hundreds of people by the time you get your exhibitors and their parents and the people that are walking through. And, and then we also have a hog show that's going on this same weekend at the same time at the pavilion. So like the hog show people, we'll go over and look at the rabbits. And the rabbit show people will go over and look at the hogs.
0: The, the guinea pigs will kind of feel a little inferior to the
2: size of their brother <laughs> yes, and over <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, but I bet you they're a lot cuter. <laughs> <laughs> guinea pigs are great.
0: I, I will give them that.
1: Go ahead, Lee. So, so let's talk about this weekend and the show. So when are the, the the events taking place? When is the best time for people to make sure that they're there so they can get the best possible experience out of this? Because one of the things I imagine that's really great for the public is you're not going to find very many gatherings of people who have expertise when it comes to breeding these animals. And... For people who might be interested in that, it's an opportunity to get advice and to really learn something that you're not going to learn necessarily in a book or in a class somewhere.
2: Um, so the show starts at 9 o'clock. Prior to that, the youth have come in and registered, and we have a opening ceremony that's at 845, um, there will be a photography contest that will be set up shortly after 9 o'clock if you want to go and look at all of the photos. The youth, some of them have entered a educational display contest, and those will be up for display where you can go and read and learn a little bit about whatever the rabbits and cavies do, depending on what the kids put together. We have a breed identification contest that goes on that starts at 9 o'clock. Um, If you want to learn about a breed or learn about a species, you can stop by and ask any of the youth that are, a lot of them will be sitting in lawn chairs around their animals and just go up and talk to them. their parents.
1: We're speaking this morning with Glenda Weiss, who is the coordinator of the upcoming show at the uh, MSU Pavilion. And Glenda, we need to take a quick break. But when we come back, I'd like to talk with you a little bit about your background and how you got started with this whole thing, because you've been doing this for a while. So uh, we'll talk about it right here on 1320 WILS.
0: To the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show.
1: It's 9.35 and we're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we've been talking this morning about the Rabbit and Cavy Show that's taking place at the MSU Pavilion this weekend. And our guest in the studio with us is Glenda Weiss, who is the lady who for how many years have you been putting this show on, Glenda? I mean, it's it's been a while. Four. Okay.
2: Um, But before that, I was on the the volunteer committee that helped out with the show. Inevitably.
1: Yeah, because I was going to say, I've just seen you associated with the show, it seems like, for a lot longer than that. Now, Glenda, for people who don't know you, what is your background? I mean, how did you get involved with this show? How did you get involved with rabbits and cavies? And frankly, why did you get involved with them?
2: So I've had rabbits since I've been five. My dad thought it was wise for us to all learn how to play piano. And after a half hour of me playing the same two notes because I was bored, um, he stopped my piano lessons and got me rabbits. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And there it began.
3: (laughs)
1: Okay.
2: And then I've had, there was a period of time that I didn't have them when I was going to college, but got back into them once my kids were of age to help out and learn responsibility through those rabbits. Um, maybe, I've had- maybe
0: talk a little bit about that because uh, there's probably, you know, I was going to mention it the last section, but maybe bringing it up now, I think there's a lot of listeners out there for whom have youngsters uh, of various ages and uh, might feel, you know, either uncomfortable or, not aware of how to get connected to something and may not necessarily perceive the value associated with getting involved with this whole event referred to as 4 H and specifically rabbits and cavies. Kind of talk a little bit about as a mother, what did you see in your children?
2: Um, once you, I'm an advocate of having youth take care of animals, whatever animal fits into your family, having given the youth the responsibility to take care of those. And yes, you do have to keep an eye on them, especially in the beginning. And if they haven't, you know, watered the animal, I just simply said, well, okay, how would you like not to have any water or anything to drink when you were thirsty? And that was the last time they didn't water their animal. Right. Both of my kids growing up, they would go out and do their chores before they had breakfast because they had to take care of the animals before they could eat themselves. And that was a learning process that they had to take care of others and who they were responsible for prior to themselves.
0: Nice. Unless nice. they were
2: sick, obviously. Um, and if they were going to go to camp, they'd have to ask somebody to take care of their, their animals. Now, that somebody could have been me or their dad or their, their sibling, but they still they were responsible for those animals so that they had to ask. They couldn't just assume that somebody was going to take care of those
1: What a wonderful lesson for future parents to be able to learn that those you're responsible for have to be taken care of first before you solve your own needs. I just think that is such an outstanding life lesson that these kids can learn from it. How do you keep them, though, from getting bored? Because I have just seen so many kids that they're so ecstatic. They get the gift that they always wanted for the holidays and by the spring uh, it's buried in a box somewhere and never being looked at (laughs) or used. How do you keep them from not doing that when it comes to these animals?
2: Um, I was going to say my kids went through that with toys, but never with the animals. Okay. I got the, the kids involved in 4-H where they were with like-minded youth that also had that interest in those particular animals. Um, they met once a month during the school year and then more often during the summertime to learn about how to take care of those animals and learn about those animals. Yeah. And right. that kind of ignited the fire behind them and there kept is, them interested. There,
0: there's definitely something you know, different than toys and pets like this, animals to care for. Simply put, you know, you, toys are one of those things you can throw them off to the side and they just sit there. And when you're maybe interested in playing with them, they're they're now something that you can get engaged with. But 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 they're just an inanimate object, you know. And anytime you can have something that looks at you, relies on you, and um gives the attention that animals give us, you know, that kind of, depending on the animals, some animals don't necessarily, you can't interact with necessarily, but many you can. And I would imagine that specifically would be an engaged opportunity that doesn't necessarily wane itself away, you know, interest-wise, yeah?
2: Right. Um, once again, we go back to the responsibility. You couldn't just, you know, push them under the rug and not take care of them. Um, there, I can't say that there weren't warnings that the kids didn't want to go out and do those chores, but yeah, they sure. knew that they had they to. Had to. Yeah.
1: With weather um, like this, I can just imagine what a pleasure yes. it would be <laughs> to be outside. And, <laughs> and
2: with weather like this, it was um, – so our, our animals were out in a barn in pens, and um, they had to carry the water out to the barns. They had to keep the crocs. Thought out so that the animals could could have open water to drink, mm-hmm. so it was mo- more difficult in weather like this.
0: And that doesn't necessarily uh, disqualify uh, city dwellers, right? Uh, guinea pigs would probably be uh, just right right up their alley as far as something if they wanted to get involved, but don't have a barn and don't have a opportunity for that, and and maybe don't want to go outside.
2: <laughs> right. Um, both guinea pigs and rabbits actually. Um, can be inside. A rabbit is very easy to house train. We have some 4-H'ers that have their rabbits house trained. When they take them to the fair, they bring their litter box with them um, and put them in. They still have to be in the same pen as everybody else, but but they um, will put the litter box in that rabbit's pen.
0: Is there is there much of an effort to, um, I would imagine it's a natural for uh, rural children to, you know, Children that grow up in rural America uh, to be part of 4-H, but is there much of an effort and is there much opportunity and outreach uh, for those that are in more urban settings?
2: Um, in many urban or counties with urban settings, including Ingham County, we have a special 4-H program coordinator, which is a um, what my title is that deals with the urban area and is going into schools. Um, To discuss and bring in 4-H and so a lot of after-school programs.
0: When when you go to this event, this expo for rabbits and guinea pigs, will there be many participants that do come from urban environments? You know, that aren't rural people that have farms and barns and those type of things.
2: There is some. The majority is still from urban areas. Before I moved to Ingham County, I was over in Wayne County Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, started a 4-H program in Pingree Farms, which is a farm on the corner of 8 Mile and I believe it's 75. It's got livestock and animals, and they would attend with um, youth from the Detroit area Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with the rabbits from Pingree Farms.
1: Wow. Now, when it comes to getting these animals, what are the obstacles that people need to be conscious of before maybe they do. I mean, one of the examples that I love that Rick uses all the time, and I was reading this week that you used with the Girl Scouts that you had in, was the example of tortoises, That they make great pets, but be prepared for 70 or 80 years to have them (laughs) in your family. And that is something that could be an obstacle for some people, but uh, they need to know that up front. So are there any obstacles that people need to know before they might get involved with these?
2: So a rabbit's life cycle is six to seven years average. Um, I'm not sure about a cavey.
0: They're similar. They're okay. probably it's it's probably a couple years shorter, but uh, overall uh, very similar.
2: Okay. And for a rabbit you would have to as far as care, you have to clip its toenails. And when it's molting, which is when equivalent to like a shedding, um, you would have to groom it to, otherwise you're gonna have hair every place. Um but you would have to groom it at that time.
1: Well, the the other thing I think of, I had a friend growing up who had a rabbit for a pet, and they used to let him run around the house and and sit on the couch with them and watch television. But the issue was they had to... I don't even know what the right word would be, de-rabbit the house so that he didn't all of a sudden start munching on the molding and (laughs) doing other things like that that they might not like.
2: Yes. Um, If you were going to have it run around the house, um, obviously electrical cords would be an issue because they will chew. Rabbits do constantly chew because their teeth are growing their entire life. Unlike ours where like we, we have our teeth, and that's it. There's constantly grow. Now, if you have, um, as long as those teeth are correctly aligned, the there's a hardening ingredient in a rabbit pellet that will keep those teeth down so that they don't like come out of the mouth, okay. um, so to speak.
1: Glenda, we don't have much time left, so for anyone who's interested in information about the show or finding out uh, if they want to attend it, where can they go to get that information?
2: The Michigan 4-H website has information. If you were to Google um, 4-H, uh, Michigan 4-H rabbit and cavey, you would have information there.
1: Okay, great. Well, we want to thank you so much for coming in and sharing this information again. It's always good to see you and to learn about these animals, because I'm sorry, but there are other great pets just besides cats and dogs, and we need to give them their due, and I'm glad that you were able to do that. So good luck with everything this weekend, and uh, we look forward to talking with you again.
2: Thank you, and thank you for having me.
1: Oh, it's our pleasure. And, Rick, when we come back, we'll talk with uh, Katie Ramp from Proust Pets about getting these animals, caring for them, and what it's going to take to keep them happy campers until they get to show off at a show like this down the road. So that's where we'll go right here on 1320 WILS.
0: Welcome back to the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk
1: Show. We're back here with the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we have with us on the line a returning guest. Uh, it's the lady who takes care of so many animals at Pruce Pets. I don't even know how to count all of them, but she does a great job. It's Katie Ramp. Uh, welcome back to the show, Katie
3: hi thanks
1: for having me oh it's our pleasure katie and your daily routines i know that you probably spend some time with the guinea pigs and the rabbits at the store is that true
3: oh yeah yep just a bit and
1: what do you think and what do you think of them as as pets are they great animals or what
3: i love them um especially rabbits so i do have my own rabbit too um so definitely love them they're awesome um guinea pigs too are really great um i love rabbits because they are um they're super social they're kind of like having a like a really little dog um in some ways (laughs) um they're super social and friendly and want to play and hang out um yeah
0: (laughs) kind of a if if you're really looking for a housemate and, and, and a rabbit or, a, or a, a dog or a cat, it really isn't up your alley. This is definitely something you want to look into. I know I I can remember a uh, set of clients back from many years ago that, uh, it was a couple, um, he was maybe a banker or something. She was important in their lives, but they had their own pet, ra- that the one pet rabbit, and it was like having their own child. And <laughs> yeah it, it, it and they can be that way. They they are really interactive. There's probably different types of rabbits that you want to think about. And there's a lot of responsibility that goes along with it. But uh, for somebody that might be interested in getting a rabbit, and we can bring up guinea pigs uh, separately if we have time, but uh, if somebody wants to get into rabbits, what are the things they want to think about? When, when does it work out and work out well? And when does it not work out?
3: Yeah. Um, so with rabbits, I... I um, like to recommend that people have a good amount of time to spend with them um, just because they are pretty social. Um, so being able to give them attention, um, same with guinea pigs, um, they're ones that can be a little bit more skinnish. Um, so just giving them the time to kind of get used to you and um, know that you're a safe person for them is definitely a big thing um, with them.
0: And that could be an age thing. You know, if you have a child... Um, and the child is a little too young to kind of figure that out at first. You're going to have to nurture that relationship. Whereas if it, the child's old enough to understand that that's the kind of the ground rules that you got to take an animal for where it's at, uh, then that that can t- kind of play into you know what kind of pet this is going to make or how well it's going to work out. Fair enough?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Now,
1: Katie, if if
0: someone doesn't live.
1: In a rural setting where they've got access to like a barn or places to keep them, how should people keep them in a, in a normal house? I mean, what, what kind of cage or material do they need to have? What kind of flooring do they need to have? I mean, how, how exactly do people keep a rabbit in their home?
3: Yeah, so um with rabbits and also guinea pigs, um neither of them are really going to be climbers, so um having a lot of floor space is going to be best for them. Um uh so with bunnies and even I've known people with guinea pigs will do it. Um sometimes we'll add a little play pen on the outside um just to give them a little extra space when they can't be fully out of their cage. Um always supervise when they are out for sure cuz um, they love to chew, so um, keeping an eye out for any cables that are down or um, baseboards and things, too, just keeping an eye on them when they are out of their cage. But um, while they do have the cage, just a nice something decent big, um for them that they do have space to kind of roam around and um, do what they want to do. <laughs> yeah.
0: Talk a little bit about a routine because I would imagine uh, just like most animals, much more into routines than we do. I mean, sun rises. Yeah. They they have their own understanding of what the world's about. When the sun sets, they have an understanding of what the world's about. When the food comes, they have an exactly. understanding of what the world's about. <laughs> Talk a little bit about routine, and is there a routine that you've come up with for your rabbit?
3: Yeah. So I've even noticed that the ones at the store definitely kind of have a routine. Um, the guinea pigs will kind of yell at us when we're not getting to their hay fast enough in the morning. Um but yeah, they definitely like to have a routine, know what's going on every day. Um, I guess for my own rabbit, uh in the morning he gets fed, we change litter pan. Um and then when I come home from work he gets let out of the cage. Um just kind of has some free roam time to do whatever. Um and then he knows that when all the lights are going off that it's time to go back in the cage at bedtime. So Um, They're very smart. They're very smart and they can definitely get a routine down of what's going to go on through the day.
0: Now, as far as diet goes, um, I know one thing that can happen without the right diet, uh, especially with the metabolism that a rabbit has, things can go wrong. So I think it's important to cover what what would a diet be like for a rabbit and to a guinea pig as well. I mean, I, I can tell you Guinea pigs are strange in that uh, their pellets need to have vitamin C or they yeah. won't survive, right? They yeah. they definitely are an interesting animal, but overall, not difficult to keep at all. You just need to have good, fresh food and have the right food. But talk a little bit about both of those animals as it comes to diet, any kind of supplements, any kind of additives. What what What's generally recommended?
3: Yeah, uh, so the most important thing for both of them is hay. Um, having hay in their diet is going to be the majority of what they should be consuming um, in a day. Um, it helps push everything through their gut. Um, rabbits are are super susceptible to having gut issues and um, getting impacted and stuff like that. So um, always having fresh hay available to them is awesome. Um, and there's a lot of varieties of hay as well. Um, so you can kind of mix it up for them. Um, kind of varies their diet a little bit which is great Um, and then both of them have a pellet that kind of has all the additional um, dietary supplemental needs that they have Um, like you mentioned the guinea pigs it's important they have that because they do have that vitamin c um, supplement in the pellet Um, and then fresh veggies we do for them also Um, mostly nice leafy greens um, but every once in a while some peppers Um, some carrot maybe, Um, just some other fun stuff thrown in there. But, yeah, lots of leafy greens, too.
1: I was waiting for the carrot reference because (laughs) it's hard to associate rabbits with uh, anything else other than that. Uh, Now, one question I've got is how tall does the barriers need to be for, like, a cage? Because I just imagine that – Rabbits have really strong back legs for jumping and can probably jump fairly high. So how do you contain them?
3: Yeah, a lot of rabbit, most rabbit cages um, do have a top covering over it. Um, it's kind of once you get into the playpen that it's just a little bit more complicated. Um, but there are like playpen covers and stuff that if you have a rabbit who's is super jumpy. You can definitely put the cover over it to kind of keep them contained. Um, but, yeah, it's, it definitely depends on the rabbit. We've had some here that do great with it. And they don't try to mess with it. We've had some that just immediately jump on top of the cage and jump out. Um, so it kind of depends on on how much of a troublemaker each particular rabbit is.
0: And the one thing that I know is important uh, expect with rabbits, not guinea pigs. Um, rabbits have these really robust hind legs that uh, have lots and lots of power. Guinea, guinea pigs, on the other end, have the little, little things. So, uh, holding a rabbit, uh, we need to we need to close up. But I just wanted to make sure people knew how to be careful when holding a rabbit.
3: Yeah, um, always with rabbits, I recommend. Um, So you don't want to be timid with them. If they kind of sense that you're nervous and timid about grabbing them, they're also going to be kind of freaked out about it. Um, But just kind of confidently grabbing them, scooping them under the butt and keeping their legs supported um, is definitely going to be the best way. Um, Whenever I grab them, I try to keep their legs um, against my body so that they're not like kicking out. Um, They can kick so hard that they can kind of throw their backs out. So, um, we just
1: want to make sure that they're secured. <laughs> Fantastic. On behalf of our producer Bruce Warner and Rick Proust, this is Lee Cohen. Wishing all of you a great weekend and a great week ahead. We'll talk next weekend on the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. <music>